Hello and welcome again to the second to last hot sheet podcast of the year. We've only got two more hot sheets to go uh, because of the weird way the minor league season is staggered. Uh, there's going to be low A and high A end this week. And then double A has one more week. And then triple A has a couple more weeks after that. There's playoffs mixed in. But we've only got two more hot sheets to go. And thus two more hot sheet podcasts to go unless they tell us to, you know, put it into the off season and call it something else. But no matter what you're going to call it, I'm still Josh in Raleigh and he's still Jeff in Massachusetts. What's up, Jeff? What's going on, Josh? Yeah, I guess it would have to be like the AFL uh, Winter League hot sheet. Yes, but, we uh... will. I, I will say you joke, but I think it's highly likely that we do have an AFL hot sheet. It might it won't be 20 guys because that's a lot of the league, but that's we typically but we and it's usually and the starts, especially to begin, like for pitchers, are like three innings. But we will likely have a, a small, you know, six week AFL hot sheet, and there'll probably be AFL podcasts and all that good stuff. Because I'm going early, you're going middle ish, and Kyle Glazer is going toward the end. So we should have a fair amount of AFL content coming up. Those rosters should be coming out soon. Yeah, we're only 27 or so days from opening day, so. At some point, they got to give us rosters, right? One would hope. One would hope. You don't want to just get there and uh, uh, who's on the roster? I will say, too, they've done a really good job this year on social of promoting the league and dropping everything for everyone. Um, This has been the best promoted Arizona Fall League I can remember. Uh, and I've been going since 2013. Uh, But we will start uh, with the actual hot sheet and – you know, one of the guys I think Jeff wants to talk about is Carson Seymour, a new giant acquisition who was uh, acquired in the Mets or from the Mets. What did you like? I know, Jeff, you watched Carson's start this week. What did you think? Yeah, he's um, a really impressive arm. And I, I tried to kind of dig in on I, I had the opportunity to watch uh, Redding's um, starting rotation, which we'll talk about later. Uh, this weekend, which was a lot of fun. But during the week, I try to just, you know, hone in on an arm or two um, that I find to be interesting. You know, the later uh, Northwest League games are always optimal for me because the kids are in bed and kind of long asleep. And I can put the TV on and, you know, actually dig into the game. So um, Seymour was really interesting to me because I had seen him on the Cape a couple times, you know, was familiar with him uh, in college. And I believe I actually saw him in spring training as well with the Mets. So, you know, he was part of the, the Darren Ruff trade, um, you know, alongside Zapucky and, and uh, Nick Swack, who I think has been kind of interesting as well, uh, as well as J.D. Davis. So um, Seymour's big guy, uh, big right-hander, you know, six foot six, uh, really big body, you know, like in, in every sense of the word, he's a big human being um, and he throws hard. So, you know, he, he sort of, passes the, the smell test when it comes to you know the power stuff that you know could play in a variety of roles I've always sort of viewed him primarily as a reliever but you know pretty deep into his start that he went six innings um and, and how many strikeouts did he have was it 14 that he had or 13 well now no, you're gonna was... put me on the spot here I have to go look oh yeah up. yeah oh I don't I don't <laughs> like you making me work this is, this is ah, no problem but regardless um i think the thing that i was most impressed with throughout the start was not only you know the 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 power on the fastball 
the power on the slider, which is very cutterish, um, it was the quality of his changeup. It was a really good changeup. He got a lot of swings and misses on it. He landed it consistently. Um, so he was able to, to navigate, um, you know, against both handedness uh, fairly easily. And I, and I always think that's something that I try to hone in on and say, is this guy potentially a starter or is he somebody that could be really useful in a high leverage role uh, out of the bullpen because he has the op uh, ability with multiple secondaries or pitches that he can land and a game plan to get, you know, batters of both handedness out. Um, Seymour did that uh, really well. And uh, it was a really impressive showing. Um, I think it was his best, best start as a, as a professional. And, and he was a guy that I had pegged pretty, pretty squarely as relief only um, when I had seen him with Harwich uh, out here on the Cape a few summers ago. And uh, it, it was, it was a pretty good development. So I think they landed a pretty good arm here and, you know, a, a few other pretty useful pieces in that trade. So he was of note of, you know, some of the arms that were in the, the hot sheet this week. It was a start that, that stuck out to me that I, I did want to, you know, call some attention to. We have, we have checked, we have called in our, our team of, of sources and they tell us that he struck out 13 guys this week. So there, there go. you go. There you go. 13 strikeouts, which uh, is, is, yes, is, I believe is a career high and gives him and gave him 38 strikeouts against eight walks in 24 and the third innings this month with the playoff bound Eugene Emeralds. So you know, go out and see them at PK Park uh, in a few weeks or a few days, whenever their playoff series starts. Uh, last year, they didn't get to host for uh, because there was conflicts with the stadium. So they had to play all their home games on the road. But this year they are back at PK to, uh, to try to win a Northwest League championship. We will talk further about the hot sheet after this ad break. And we are back. <laughs> Another guy who had a much, a much higher profile than uh, Carson Seymour is Bobby Miller, who had a heck of a week himself. I believe he had 14 punch outs in his start. I know you're a big fan of, uh, of Bobby's, Jeff. What do you like about Bobby Miller? Um, I think it's just the power on the arsenal overall. Um, you know, when you take a look at, you know, what Miller has always done well dating back to, you know, his time as an amateur, um, you know, the raw power within his stuff was always there. It was just a matter of, you know, him sort of honing the craft and becoming a pitcher. And, you know, I think it's kind of interesting because this year they've taken the reins off a little bit. And I think at first um, there were some growing pains just in terms of the command and execution, but it seems like the more I've watched him of late, and he's the type of pitcher that I will check in on to watch his starts because the stuff is so electric. I mean, there's not many starters in the minor leagues that legitimately hit, you know, 101 miles an hour. And Miller does it pretty much on a, you know, a start by start basis. Uh, but, you know, it's a good slider. Uh, it's a good curveball. Um, you know, the changeup has been good this year as well question with the changeup is just his ability to consistently land it but uh you know he does get decent amount of chase swings on you know a variety of his different pitches it's just a matter of him sort of honing in on a particular pitch mix and you know the four seam is has been uh, better than it's ever been this year uh you know he's gotten whips on it, he's gotten chases he's throwing for a strike consistently the slider has been good this year sort of along the same lines he's got whips he's got a lot of chases in the slider um and a lot of strikes and i think that's you know really become his primary mix and you know with the curveball and the changeup having feel for both of those pitches 
it gives them, you know, a couple of different directions to, to sort of navigate uh, against left-handed batters in terms of, you know, how he's going to execute and, you know, what pitch he's going to throw to which guy. And he's thrown, shown some feel for both. Um, but he does land the curveball at an above average rate in comparison to the changeup. So I think that's why, you know, you've seen it used a lot more um, this season. So overall, it's a really good pitch mix. He's got feel for, for spin, um, interesting shapes, throws with some power, and he really commands the fastball very well to both sides of the plate. And I think that's sort of um, the foundational skill for Miller um, that everything builds off of and why I believe he'll be a, a good long, a starter long-term. A couple pirates on this list. Uh, first among them is the second baseman, Nick Gonzalez, who I know you like very much. And he had a, he's been coming back from injury. Um, and you know, the big question for him this year was, A, are you going to stay healthy, which he has not done. Because he had he got bit by the injury bug last year. And is the power he showed at Greensboro real? And that's still an open question. Um, Greensboro is a hitter's ballpark, period, point blank. It could make a 30 hitter look like a 50 or a 30 power look like 50 power. It could make 50 power look like 70. It's silly, you know, the way it plays sometimes, especially when the wind is blowing the right way. So that's you know, he, he came back and he showed this week that he's got some in there. It might not be quite the same amount he showed last year in Reading. I know you've always liked him as a pure hitter, and that might be more of what he is going forward uh, than a, a guy who could hit for average and power. But, you know, I think you, you've mentioned that you've fallen in love with him on the Cape, where you do find so many of your prospect crushes. Um, tell me, what, what, what lets you up? back in the day about Nick Gonzalez before he was a uh, first rounder. Yeah, I think the, 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 the thing with Gonzalez was um, just kind of giving you some background. He had a huge season as a sophomore at uh, New Mexico uh, state and it, it's like playing on the moon. And it's one of those parks where you can't really fully trust the numbers, but they were outrageous. His slash line, if we pulled it up, we can Google it, look at it on baseball reference. I don't need to rehash the number for number right now, but it was great. And the big question for him when I showed up to it was, can this guy hit in an environment that is not necessarily as optimal offensively? Katuit is just that. Um, it's right on the water. The bay is literally, you know, um, 500, you know, 600 yards from uh, right field. Um, so there's water, you know, there's wind. There might be, you know, a little bit of the... <laughs> the 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 marine effect there as well um and he hit and he was the best player from start to finish in the cape cod league won mvp won playoff mvp won the title uh had one of the best cape seasons probably of all time certainly within the last 10 years and it was bat to ball uh and it was uh skill and bat speed driven power and i i, I hope that's what he's gotten back to um when i spoke to him last year at the arizona fall league um, you know, for, I think it was one of my first articles here at baseball America. Um, he spoke a little bit about the injury coming back from it and, you know, finding some confidence and sort of cheating a little bit to his pull side and taking advantage of the dimensions, uh, of the park in Greensboro, you know, uh, he was very candid about it. So I do think that was part of it. Uh, but I, I, I do hope now that he's maybe the injuries are past him. He gets back to being sort of the contact guy first, the approach guy first, that, you know, when he sees a mistake is, it, you know, is able to recognize it and, and drive it to the gap or over the wall. Because uh, I saw a lot of that. Not a great uh, infielder. So I think a lot of it has to be that bat driven power. 
and he's got he's got to be able to combine both. I think he did that a little bit this week. So it was good to sort of see that. It's good to see the approach is better, um, you know, and hopefully the bats of ball continues to sort of revert back to what it was as an amateur. Yeah, and, you know, you mentioned the AFL with him. He's only played 64 games at uh, AA this year. It wouldn't surprise me if we see him in the fall league again yeah. where he can uh, get some more, you know, reps under his belt before the season is over. Um, but we'll move on from the hot sheet. We, we did some interesting things this past week. You saw the Reading rotation. You saw your your man crush, Griff McGarry, and you got to find out if I was correct because last podcast, I challenged you and I said, Andrew Painter is going to be the best arm you see all year. So was I right? I think you were. <laughs> I think, I think you might've been, I think you might be right. Um, it was probably the best performance I've seen this year. You know, um, I didn't see Yuri in double A. I saw Yuri against legitimate major leaguers um, in spring training you know, a uh, bunch of guys that are on the Mets right now. So, and it was a weird start, right? Um, three and eight stuff got rolled. So I, I don't necessarily want to say that, you know, it, he's better than Yuri necessarily, but um, he looked in the same range as Yuri. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, he looked both. in the same range as Grayson, man. I, I think I've this never is one Grayson, of the best. Though. I think this, I, I've seen Grayson in the same mound. I think this is one of the best pitching prospects that I've, probably ever seen um you know seven innings i think the thing that's really impressive about painter in particular is his ability to have the power that he has the shape that he has and consistently throw strikes and he did that throughout the night he challenges hitters by being in the zone with his fastball being in the zone with the slider he started out early in the first few innings really relying on those two pitches showing the change up a little bit and then, you know, he'll, he'll, he starts throwing the, the curveball early in, early in counts or freezing guys in two-strike counts when he had a couple of pitches to play with. He'll drop that curveball in there with a lot of depth. And he has very different looks. It's a good fastball overall. I think everything was was really good. You know, he was uh, very impressive, very efficient. I think it was 92 pitches, um, you know, 70% plus strikes uh, throughout that seven-inning performance. And maybe he could have even gone eight, you know. Uh, this is the kind of guy that I think you could plug into the major league rotation next week, quite frankly. I, I really do think that he could be their second or third best pitcher right now. And I uh, did not see Andrew Painter this week, but I saw a very tall young man, uh, Ellie De La Cruz. You know, I, I didn't get to see any of the standout performances that you might uh, expect that have come to you know, be associated with Ellie De La Cruz. So, you know, I didn't see him at 500 feet home runs. I didn't see anything crazy, but I saw a lot of little things. Like, I think, I think he got two hits in, this, in the three games that I saw. And one of them was a hustle double that it was weird. The, the front of home plate at that ballpark must be a trampoline because it hit very close to in front of home plate and was hit so hard that it bounded over the first baseman's head and he hustled into second. Uh, and the other was a, a kind of a bloopish single. He had some hard lineouts later in the series, but you know he didn't go deep. He didn't do anything crazy, but he shows you a lot of his little skills. Like he he made a he he made a really good play at shortstop with his arm. He you know showed the ability to move left and right. 
but he also showed the downside of that coin too. He, he boxed up a couple balls a little bit. He got, you know, tangled on his own feet, which, you know, he's, he's 20. He's still very gangly growing into that six foot five ish frame. Um, you know, he ran like a gazelle. He threw really well. His batting practice was pretty good. You know, there's a lot of things to like about Ellie and it's hard to, it's hard to fathom that, you know, he's, he's 20 in double A. If he's an American, he's a college sophomore and where, you know, Carlos is trying to figure out where he's going to go in the draft this coming year. So for him to be doing what he's doing in double A and you know, he's got two more weeks to hit two more bombs and get to a 30-30 season. And if he steals more bags, maybe a 30-40 season. So he could be really intriguing. I thought uh, you know, there'll, there'll be a story on him in the coming weeks um, about what I saw. But it was really fun to talk to him because he's a, a really quiet, driven young man. I thought it was super impressive that he, he did bring a, a, a – well, he brought his manager to translate, and I talked to his manager too. But he wanted to uh, answer as many questions as he could in English the best he can, and he did a really good job for, you know, I – I took five years of Spanish in college and high school and I did, I wasn't as good as he is in English now. And, you know, to do that with a person he doesn't know, he doesn't know if I'm, you know, I'm going to screw him with anything he writes or anything, or if I'm, he doesn't know my intentions, but to be that genuine with me was really impressive. Um, And just, just talking to all the, the people there, um, I talked to his manager. I talked to him. I talked to his hitting coach. Uh, the Reds farm director happened to be in town. So I talked to him and it just, the picture I get of him is he's not only this really talented individual, but he's super, super driven to be great. And I should point out, not only is he driven to be great, he is driven to be a great shortstop. That came up a lot. Like there's a lot of questions about whether he's going to stick there long-term make no mistake that's really important to him and you know we we talk a lot about you know drawing comparisons to a guy like o'neill cruz who is trying to make it work at a at big height when i brought that up to him he he didn't bring up o'neill cruz he said cal ripkin jr was really tall too so you know <laughs> it's hard to think i i don't know if if cal ripkin jr is even let's see 20 years has he played since he's been alive i don't, I don't think know. so so that was an impressive one to bring up right off the bat. It's just not as a tall shortstop who made it at shortstop. Summation here, Ellie De La Cruz, even when he's not, you know, providing crazy highlight real stuff, a really impressive player. Uh, Jeff, real quick, what are you planning on uh, doing this week? There's a chance I shoot over, uh, maybe over to Hartford again, Somerset's in town. Um you know, I could see Trey Sweeney, who just got uh, promoted. So could get a, another look on Trey Sweeney, who I saw earlier this year in A-ball. But, yeah, I don't know. I'm probably going to be more on the home front this week, uh, catching some more games. Uh, weather's a little bit rougher up here this week. So that might come into the picture. Uh, and the only team that's home is Hartford. So no local Worcester games this week. No games in New Hampshire. I think they're back for the final week of uh, – the season uh, next week. Um, they're actually in Reading. Too bad I couldn't have gotten them twice. That would have been fun. But uh, so I'm probably going to be around just kind of watching minor league games and I'm working on a couple of um, pitching related articles. Have a couple things dropping tomorrow, some on the Reading guys I watched, uh, something else on Hunter Brown, who just made his uh, major league debut and uh, 
We're going to dig in on some of my favorite fastballs and might do something else with JJ later in the week, but sort of pitching week for me here at Baseball America. Let's be clear. It's always pitching week for you. You are the pitcher whisperer uh, supreme. I did all Um, hitters last week. Well, I don't (laughs) don't know what to say. Did you, did you feel like you'd betrayed your, your best self by talking about hitters? I'm trying to expand Josh. You you challenge yourself, you know, you gotta, you gotta change your mindset and, you know, get, get, Get uncomfortable, man. That's what it's all about, uh, right? I don't, I don't like that at all. But this week, I will be, um, I will see some Anthony Volpe because uh, the Scrantons are here in Durham. Uh, so you got, well, depending on how his health progresses, Wander Franco is at least around. I know he left the Monday game a little early because the hand wrist kind of flared up on him. But Volpe's in town, and he's a pretty good prospect. Uh, I saw him earlier this year in Richmond, but he's back for five more games. And then I'll probably go out to Fayetteville and see Angel Janow, uh, who ranked number one on the uh, Arizona Complex League top 10 above Oof. above uh, Harlan Susanna. Um, the, the reviews on Janow were really impressive. And Lynchburg is in town for Fayetteville for the last series of the year. So why not? See if I can maybe match him up and see Miguel Uyola uh, in his last start of the year, barring a promotion, to uh, against Lynchburg and uh, their new their new guy. It'll be really that could be really fun. And then if I'm feeling really frisky, uh, Brooklyn is in Winston Salem, and that's Alex Ramirez and friends. Um, unfortunately, the, the Winston Salem club is a bit depleted by Project Birmingham, but maybe Alex Ramirez is worth the drive. And then at some point, whenever the AFL rosters do drop, uh, we will analyze the living bejesus out of them. And that should be pretty fun. Yeah. Because as everyone knows, the AFL is my version of the Cape. Uh, I know Jeff would go to every single Cape game for all six weeks. If he could clone himself, uh, I would go to every AFL game. I would melt, but I would go to every Cape uh, AFL game. So that's what I've got on my uh, end for the next few weeks or the next next week or so before the minor league season ends. And uh, we'll be finalizing our picks for minor league player of the year as well. So it's, it's, it's a busy time at BA. It's always a busy time at BA. um, And that's not going to change this week. Any final thoughts, Jeff? No, Josh, uh, you did a phenomenal job on this week's uh, hot sheet podcast. Just want to say that. I appreciate the lie and the check is in the mail. For Jeff in Massachusetts, I'm Josh in Raleigh. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.